Oh my goodness, thank you everybody for who participated for participating. Thank you for sharing your gifts with us, helping us focus on Jesus, uh, remembering how he came to our messy world to reunite us with the Father. It makes all the difference in this season to fix our eyes on him. Um, otherwise, things kind of fall flat, don't they? There's lights, but no light. So thank you for all that you've done, everybody who participated. And like Mary, let's treasure these things in our hearts. Um, I love this passage that was read at the beginning, and we want to look at it again. It's Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, we're going to look at 1 and 2, and then verses 6 and 7. So I'm going to go ahead and read that again. And I think it's up there. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he, the Lord, humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So this Isaiah 9 is so full of light and hope. In the midst of Isaiah's troubled times, he had a vision of what would be the future of God's people. We have the benefit of seeing his words fulfilled in Jesus' first coming. We're looking back on it, but we can also look forward to their complete fulfillment in the future as well. So, in verse 1, it, it can be up there, it doesn't have to be. Isaiah tells them that while they may be in gloom now because of judgment on their disobedience, all is not lost. Um, so, Isaiah was giving... <laughs> was kind of warning the people. You, these, they were, the leaders of Israel were like consulting mediums. They weren't like asking the Lord for guidance. They were doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and Isaiah was warning them, turn back to the Lord and, um, and he, you know, for his rescue. But if you don't, there's judgment is coming. But in the midst of that warning, he's also giving them a, a, a ray of hope. <laughs> um, a light is about to come, and this light is like the dawn. The nations surrounding Israel worship sun gods. So when people heard that a light is coming, that would signal to them actually the presence of God. Um, so we can look at, back at this passage as a prophecy of the coming Messiah, who would be the light of the world. Um, it was read today, Jesus called himself the light of the world. And in the John chapter 1, a light was coming into the world. So this is Isaiah. After the last prophet um, prophesied about 400 years before Jesus came, 
the last like Old Testament prophet. So those were very dark days too. So if, you're picture, if you can picture that, um, people walking in darkness, <laughs> people not having a word from God for a very, very long time, then this coming, this promised Messiah is a ray of hope. Um, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And this is a feeling of dawning, a light breaking upon us. Um, just like if you can picture a sunrise, that first beam that you can see um, is the ray of hope. Jesus is referred to many times as the light and called himself the light of the world. In John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This reflects so closely Isaiah's words, the people walking in darkness shall see a great light. Do you not think that? The people hearing Jesus say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Did they not hear the echo from Isaiah? And did not some of them maybe think, is this the one that's promised? So it's a beautiful connection. But not only Jesus, what about his disciples? He adds on to it, and he says, Jesus, the, the disciples will be um, the light of the world. In Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells his followers that we too will be the light of the world. John carries this theme of light in his epistle, and in, in the gospel, through the epistles, all the way to Revelation, where he says, in that heavenly city, there will be no need of light, for God will be their light. Jesus is the light of the world. He is our light. So now, how does this light appear? How does it come? Does he come from the sky like a flash of lightning? No. The light entered the world will come through the birth of a child, a son. He comes veiled in flesh. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. How do we know that this is referring to the Messiah? In fact, I found out that it was kind of common in those days for um, kings to get like appellations like this, like, like lots of titles. So uh, there was this Ugarit guy that had like, you know, it's like recorded. He had four different titles. And King David was remembered in um, 2 Samuel at the time of his death. 2 Samuel 23.1, his, his like titles were son of Jesse, the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. So it's not unusual to have titles given to important people. But these titles, this child, the titles are majestic. <laughs> they seem to be referring to God himself. So what is this child to be called? Well, his first name or title is wonderful. And this word wonderful is, has like the, the feeling of the miraculous, okay? Not just awe-inspiring, like that was a wonderful cheesecake. <laughs> but actually <laughs> miraculous. Um, and in the Gospels, we've been following along in Matthew, we see Jesus working these wonders, like um, calling, and they call forth awe in us from his followers. 
The miracles of Jesus are stunning, and they too were prophesied by Isaiah. Chapter 42, his servant, the Messiah, will be a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes of the blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. So this Savior, this um, Son that's given, is wonderful on the level of miraculous. He's also counselor, the one who gives wise and valuable advice. Again, in Matthew, Jesus has counseled us in God's heart, in God's ways, in God's, what's important to God, in God's values. Blessed are the meek, the humble, the poor in spirit. Jesus' instructions are kind of backwards, like his life. <laughs> By this I mean, he was a king, but he didn't come with pomp. He didn't come with flash. It's kind of backwards, right? Um, he's honoring humility, okay? The announcement came to the shepherds, not to kings. It came to the people. You, nobody could even, besides those guys, nobody even knew about it, okay? So don't be surprised if your wonderful counselor counsels you in ways that might seem a little backward. So Jesus said, if you want to gain your life, you will lose it. Jesus said, if your enemy slaps your cheek, give him the other cheek. He's our wonderful counselor. His counsel may not look like what the world would tell us. That's all I'm saying. He's the mighty God. The word mighty means strong and vigorous, and it's actually often translated as warrior. So, mighty or warrior God. So, wait, we just talked about Jesus being humble and his values being, you know, he, he blesses the poor in spirit, the, the meek, the lowly. And now we're, we're hearing that this this word, he's also mighty, like a warrior, strong and vigorous. Can we hold these two things at the same time, these two truths, that our wonderful counselor is also mighty, that he's also a warrior God? When you think of the injustices in our world, are you not glad that our God is a warrior God? I think we need to sit with that thought for a minute. Do we believe that, like when we, <laughs> when we see the injustices of the world, do we believe that God is engaged? Do we, we believe that he cares? Do we trust that he's a warrior and that when the right time comes, he will act? Humble Jesus will also be a warrior when the right times come, when the right time comes. He's patient now. He's waiting for all to come to repentance. He's counting on us to be the light and share the truth about him. But it won't stay that way. There will come a day when Jesus will fulfill all justice. And I think this name of Jesus, Mighty God, is your assurance of that. He's also the everlasting Father. He lasts forever, so obviously that gives you like a sense of the future, right? But it's paired with the word father, 
which is like our progenitor or our, you know, our ancestor. So that gives me the feeling that he's everlasting in both senses, that he's God from everlasting to everlasting. He's eternal. He never changes, and he's faithful. And then he's the Prince of Peace. A prince is a representative of a king. That beautiful word, shalom, which means not just the absence of conflict, but in addition, well-being, salvation, and soundness, soundness of soul. In his kingdom, all will be well, and we will finally be complete. Even though there's not peace in our world today, inviting Jesus to be our Prince of Peace, inviting him into our personal mayhem, we can be brought to calm and wholeness. Then in turn, we become peacemakers for him, with him. Yes, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. The last name of the Messiah is highlighted here. That is in, the, uh, in verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This, Chris brought this to us, that Jesus is the is the son of David that will reign forever and ever. So at, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So we know that here on earth, every government comes to an end. There have been many amazing dynasties that have basically passed into oblivion, unless you like to read history. <laughs> but when Jesus comes to reign on David's throne, there will be peace, justice, and righteousness. It will all fit together it will finally make sense. God himself will do this, and it will last forever. Uh, Steve, if you could put up that video. When I think of these and all the many names of Jesus, I see them as facets of a beautiful jewel. Let's see here. He's all these things at the same time, and he's beautiful. There may, there may be times in my life when I see Jesus mainly as Savior, but he never stops being the light of the world. I may run to him as my strong tower, but at the same time, he's your bread of life. So who is Jesus to you today? If, if first, I want to ask, if you've ever met him as your Savior— he came from heaven to earth, born as a baby, to live a perfect life like a spotless lamb that was sacrificed for sin according to God's instructions to Moses. Jesus, too, was sacrificed on the cross to pay my sin penalty and yours. If you would like to meet Jesus as Savior today, I beg you, when the prayer team comes up, to come and pray with them and let them introduce you to Jesus as your Savior. But if Jesus is your Savior, um, are you also meeting him in these many, many other ways, like just four or five that we talked about today, but so many other ways that he has revealed himself in the Bible, the bread of life, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life. What I'd love to do is we're going to be singing one last carol, 
And when we do, I'd love for you to choose one of these beautiful names of Jesus and not just reflect on it, but worship him for who he is, adore him, and love him, and thank him for who he is and all he's done to enjoy, for us to enjoy his multifaceted beauty. We have Jill and Steve on prayer team today, I believe. And um, you guys are on discernment seats, Dennis and Peggy. So if you'd like prayer, come and see and speak with Jill and Steve to pray with you. Um, if you feel like the Lord spoke to you and you'd like to share something with the body, first come and share it with Dennis and Peggy to discern if it's for the whole body. And then we will do that while we're singing this last carol. <laughs> 